0: Here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure, speeds up play when you have those drop areas.
1: Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is a midweek drop zone podcast. Some people's favorite type of drop zone podcast. Dylan, we talked to Rick Riley today. We we recorded a little PGA Tour stock exchange update we have a lot of fun stuff for the hardcore drop zone fans but first of course we have a Radmore ad read it is the presenting sponsor of the drop zone podcast uh like we always say a seattle based startup um honestly i'm wearing the drop zone shirt right now i think you it looks good well. you
0: got a nice nice navy stripe on your white shirt there nice little navy collar uh i mean we all know, Sean, Radmore Golf's the best apparel in the game. I'm hijacking this read because I'm so excited to send the people to RadmoreGolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R, golf.com, where they can cash in on a 25% discount when you use the code DROPZONE at checkout. I would encourage everyone to do that right now.
2: All right. Dylan, what was your favorite part before we kick it to Rick Riley about our discussion with Rick Riley?
0: I mean, honestly, I just want people to kind of let Rick's words wash over you. If you've been reading Rick Riley for, you know, the last several decades, like I have, you'll just notice that he talks the way he writes. And I think that that, that, you know, comes into play repeatedly throughout the interview. So it's well worth the listen.
2: Yeah, he's got some takes about Tiger, Phil, Trump. I think. He might have said something about Greg Norman. I can't remember. He's got a lot of thoughts to get off his chest. And honestly, we kind of teed him up. We, <laughs> we sent him. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 we pressed play and got out of yeah, the way. Exactly. So we will do that as well. We'll get out of the way and enjoy Rick Riley. Rick Riley joins us now. The world-famous sports writer, golf writer, published author. He's got a book coming out. Uh, I believe this will be today, May 10th. It is called So Help Me Golf. Rick, can you give us a synopsis of, of what So Help Me Golf
3: is? Because uh, it's a lot of things, right? In sports writer, we call it saving string. You know, and so I've been saving string on this book for probably 35 years, ever since I started to love golf at 13. Uh, before that, I hated golf because my dad was a golfer and he was a drunk. So he'd come home and, and just, it was terrible. It was terrible when he got home drunk from golf. And he got home drunk from golf a lot. And so we were scared of golf and we all hid, you know, because he could get very violent. And so I hated golf and swore I'd never play golf, but my brother loved golf. (laughs) And my brother got his hand-me-down, my dad's hand-me-down clubs and took me to the range. And like all of a sudden he was hitting these amazing shots and it was not drunkenness at all. It was just watching this ball. We grew up in Boulder, Colorado. to fall against the blue sky and then the red rocks of the flat irons and then the green evergreen trees like and for, you know for a kid like me that had no control of my life to control that little ball became like such a joy you know and so I oh, don't maybe because my start with golf was so terrible I began to just love it and and not just the playing of it but the, way, the stories that happened between shots and after and you know, the, the incredible father, son, father, grand, I didn't have any father, son thing, but a lot of guys have great stories. And so, um, I started collecting string, hoping I would write about basically my Valentine to the game.
0: That's what I was going to ask Rick. So is that how you would describe this? Is this is a, a love letter to the game and through your own eyes and then through the eyes of, of other people that also have unique relationships to golf.
3: Yeah. And it's 80 sort of, it's, it's 80 columns really, I used to write a column in the back of sports illustrated and it was about 800 words. And so these are all about between 700 and thousand words. I like to say, you know, you can get one done every time you go to the pot. <laughs> <laughs> They're not longer than that. <laughs> and, uh, I realize that's gross, but it is the kind of book you can put down, pick up. get down. And so it's, um, you know, it's, it's great stories. Like maybe you don't know this one, but, do you know La Hinch in Ireland? It has a blind par three. Sure, yeah. So there's not many blind par threes in the world because they're ridiculous, right? But in La Hinch, it works because the little guy puts a white rock that you can see and you hit for that rock and you hope you hope the guy's not drunk that morning and you know, puts it actually in line with the pin. <laughs> so in one day, in a space of two hours, four guys made holes in one <laughs> on that hole. On the blind part three, and um, it was the greatest night in the bar's history. You know, because it was late afternoon, and everybody's drinking and buying each other drinks. And the caddies are allowed in the bar at La Hinch, so they're getting free drinks from all these guys. And then pretty soon, the townspeople have snuck in, and they're getting free drinks. And the bartenders is having the greatest day, and the and the, the, the one waitress is having the, the night of her life. And it's all going great until. The bartender's wife comes through the front door of the bar. She's holding her six-year-old's ear like this. And she marches the kid behind the bar. And she says, you tell your dad what you've been doing today, you little rascal. <laughs> and he's and the kid's like, I was putting balls in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> he, he put four balls in the hole. <laughs> and uh, she says, and the bartender just laughs and keeps pouring Guinnesses, you know, and the, the wife says, are you not going to punish the lad or do nothing? And the bartender says, yes, I am going to do something. He picked him up and kissed him on the forehead. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic.
3: You know, it's that kind of thing. You know, I was thinking about why there's so many great golf moments and stories. It's be, I think it's because we play it forever, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm 64. I'm still playing it. I hope to play it till I'm 104. And there's always something happens every time. Whereas most of our football stories ends in high school, Tennis, nothing ever happens. It's all the same court, you know, it's all the same. Like the food in golf is the best food of any sport. Every golf hole is different, much less every course. Uh, you can you can play a 20, can play a scratch. You can't do any of that in tennis. And so um, I started collecting stories and researching and, and stuff where, where so the, the best kind of sports writing to me is it doesn't matter who wins. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the best kind of sports movie. It's the best, best kind of sports writing when it's just about the fabric of the people. You know, the people, and, and sometimes, as they said in White Men Can't Jump, when you win, you lose. And when you lose, you win. And when you tie, you don't even tie. So I started finding these stories and that's what's in the book. There was a, there was a pilot for the Air Force during the Vietnam War who was on a reconnaissance secret mission to shoot pictures of bridges that they wanted to blow up in North Vietnam. He was shot down and he was put in the Hanoi Hilton, which is the horrible prison where John McCain spent all those years. And this guy, his name was Colonel uh, Colonel George Hall, Colonel George Hall. And he gets put in a six foot by seven foot cell. And yet every morning for four years by himself, he played golf, found a stick, and he snuck it in his pant leg, he snuck it into his cell, and then every morning, he would play his Hattiesburg Country Club golf course. And not just play it, he'd get up, kiss his wife, get in his, you know, Chevy, drive through the little streets, wave to the used car guy, wave to the grocery store lady, uh, park, kid, kid to the shoe shine guy, put his shoes on, literally doing all this stuff in the cell. Gets to the first tee with his three buddies, hits his drive, right? He was a college player, so he hit it about 240. So he hits it about 240, paces it off in his cell, right? Oh now he's got 132 yards left. For him, that's a nine iron. Paces that off. Now he's got a 22-footer, knows exactly how it breaks in his mind. Paces that off. Always two-putted, always made par, And then he'd he'd wave to people on the course, Mrs. Havermeyer, how you doing? Did Fred ever fix the roof? Oh, hope it doesn't rain, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) So he leaves Hattiesburg as a pilot at 180 pounds. Seven years later, he comes back to Hattiesburg at hundred pounds, but he lands at the Hattiesburg airport. They bring him outside on the tarmac. They built a little stage for him. He gets to the podium and a whole town is there in front of him. And he starts crying because he sees the shoeshine guy. And he sees the guy that he waved at the, the lady that ran the grocery and the used car guy. And he sees Mrs. Havermeyer and he sees his buddies he plays with. And he just starts crying because he said, he said to them all, you saved my life. You in this game we all love saved my life. I would have probably died. If I had if it hadn't been for golf. And that's kind of how I feel about golf. It's it's so woven into the fabric of who I am. Well, for whatever that's worth. Now I remember not being able to play for a year, and I went out of my mind. And so Wait, why couldn't you I play? The, I hurt my I hurt both my elbows. And I realized how much I missed it, but not what, not the game itself, but the the whole the whole being there. You know what I mean? I don't know if you guys feel that way, but so that's the kind of stories, funny or emotional that are, that are in this book, which as you say, goes on sale today.
2: No, we, we definitely feel that way. I have a, an impending shoulder surgery that's probably going to happen in the fall because it oh, can't you're happen gonna just right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, part of the, the book is also stories about famous professional golfers. I know uh, at least in the tease, it says there's stories you've never told about Greg Norman before <laughs> part of that. Uh, Also, you believe that you know at least in one way Jack Nicholas is better than Tiger Woods. I want you to explain that last part because surely you know that Tiger Woods is better
3: than Jack Nicholas. Tiger Woods is a better player than Nicholas was, but I'm talking about I'm talking about who had the greatest career, who managed their life as a pro better, Nicholas or Woods? Woods, of course, should have won more majors, but Jack kept it together. You know, he, he, he kept his family happy. He kept his wife happy. He kept out of much injury. Like there weren't many injuries in Jack's life. Um, you know, he once told me, I didn't know people were even counting majors. He said, my hero was Bobby Jones. I just wanted to be Bobby Jones. In fact, he, uh, he was trying to stay amateur as, as he got out of college. He took an insurance job and he showed me the plaque he was voted uh, employee of the year <laughs> at some insurance job. I was really good, he says. Uh, but he realized you know, that he needed to make more money. But he didn't know until Dan Jenkins started counting majors mm-hmm. that you count majors. So how many, he says, I don't know how many I'd have won if I'd appointed to them. But sometimes he said, you know, I would be watching my kids, you know, little league games and not preparing for the PGA, not knowing it would be a big thing. So, you know, and also, Tiger's not much fun. (laughs) I agree with you there. Tiger's all about Tiger. That's how his dad raised him. He and his dad used to have this, because I knew his dad well. And he said, we have a motto. Like, what is it? It says, we came, we saw, we won, and we got the out of town. I mean, that's kind of how Tiger is. Like, you have dinner with him. He doesn't eat dessert. So when he finishes dinner, he just leaves. There's no money for the check. (laughs) There's no tipping the valet. There's a valet here in LA. He got so sick of being stiff by Tiger. He'd stand in front of Tiger's door and say, how'd you play today, Tiger? Waiting for his fiver, you know? And finally, Tiger would painfully reach out and give him the five. So, you know, I'm a Phil Mickelson guy. Phil tips hundreds. Mm -hmm. I said, can I look in your wallet once? It was $4,800, all hundreds. (laughs) Like, why all the $100 bills? He goes, you got a tip, don't you? Like whoa, <laughs> and I—I I mean, Bones tells the story about the time he won at the Masters, and the two clubhouse guys practically wept because he was going up to the champions' locker room, and they were going to get those two thousand dollars tips anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So I just look—I think Tiger's had the greatest skill set of any golfer, and some of the worst manners. You know, he—you know that where, where the car accident happened is not far from where I'm sitting. And he just fell asleep, no skid marks, whatever he was on, whatever he was doing, he would throw, blowing across two lanes, across a median, across two oncoming lanes. Luckily, your daughter wasn't in those, through a sign and into a tree. So when people say, oh, all, all the tiger's been through. Yeah, I know he's been through, he's been through two oncoming lanes and a tree because he's got a problem with pills. He's already been busted twice on that. And for some reason, the LA sheriffs didn't, didn't think to even test him, but I'm just saying, if you if I want to watch a great golfer, I'll watch tiger. But if I want to know and be friends and write about a great golfer, then I pick Jack.
0: All right. So Rick, somehow here we are, you know, whatever it is, 25, 30 years into their careers and tiger and Phil are still, you know, at the forefront of, of golf headlines and right. I don't know how closely you track the day-to-day of you know, professional golf at this point, but but what do you make, as a Phil guy, what do you make of this iteration of his career?
3: Well, you know, I love Phil, but Phil always tries to be 23% more clever than he needs to be. And it's in that 23% t- sometimes when he says stupid crap. And some of that take was so stupid, like the whole thing started with, I want to own my own video. What? Mm-hmm. You don't get to own your own. Jordan, Brady, they don't get to own their own video. Start a network, I guess. Maybe then you could own it. Mm-hmm. Make a deal with the Saudis. Maybe then you can own your video. <laughs> so <laughs> believe me, he says a lot of stupid stuff. And I usually call him on it. But he says a lot of smart stuff, too. But none of that was smart. Now, you're going to say to me, well, those are pretty, you know, calling, using MF in the quotes and all that. I'm telling you, I've covered that guy since he was in college. He, you can tell when he knows he's on the record and when he isn't. Hmm. So those to me were absolutely quotes where he didn't realize he was being quoted. Now, hmm. whose fault was that? Phil, I mean, Phil called Alan, right? Alan's a great reporter. Did Phil think it was off the record? Did Alan think it was on the record? Something got screwed up. What I don't get is, doesn't it seem like kind of an overreact? Is it that horrible? The the stuff he said, it's horrible. But he didn't kill anybody. He didn't, uh, you know, grope somebody in a closet. He didn't, I mean, to me, to me enough already. Okay, he paid his price. All these companies dropped him. I hope he plays in Tulsa. I hope he makes it back. I hope he wins another major. I mean, I, I can't see this lasting much longer. I'm very good friends with Marv Albert, the announcer. And, you know... They accuse him of biting women in bed. So, And in two years, he was back, had all the same jobs, everything was fine again. I don't even think this will take that long. Is there
2: a Phil story in So Help Me Golf? You know,
3: <laughs> he was so paranoid about Alan. He didn't want to do any more interviews when I was <laughs> trying to do this. Um, but there are Phil stories that you'll have to read, but uh, none where he's quoted. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But uh, he got me drunk out of the claret jug one day, and I couldn't drive home out of San Diego to LA. He insists you drink out of that damn claret jug. What are you and, drinking? And you drink claret. And I asked uh, Amy how much the bottle was. She said $3,000. <laughs> oh, and he's got a T Rex skull in his living room. I think there's only nine in the world or something. You know, with Phil, who knows? You know, everything has a little bit of thirty percent. Kind of, like, kind of like Trump exaggerates a little. Phil kind of adds a little more to, it, but he says there's nine in the world. He's, yeah. uh, I think he's fascinating dinner conversation. I never go to dinner with Tiger because he always wants to go to McDonald's. You mentioned
2: Trump. The uh, he's another golfer that is, I guess, world famous and someone that you covered uh, in a, duf- a different book. He's the forty fifth president. He might be the forty seventh president. Who knows? Um, but he also might just double down on like his golf course holdings. I, I think that the next couple of years, this is kind of me giving you my opinion. I think the next couple of years of golf uh Trump as a golf course owner will be fascinating. What what do you kind of think of of this maybe president, definite golf course owner, and kind of his role in the game?
3: Well, I mean, I wrote a whole book
2: about
0: it. Got a lot of yeah. thoughts on him. Yeah. Yeah,
3: it's called Commander in Cheat. And um The the whole the whole thing behind that was, um, he was going around running for president, which is fine. Go ahead, but he was telling people the reason you got to vote for me is, I'm an 18-time club champion, and that's against the best players, no strokes. And I'm like, you liar, because he'd already told me when when we played together how he did it, which is whenever he opens a new course, he plays with him and Melania, and he calls that the club championship, and unless Melania gets hot or hotter, <laughs> he's gonna be the club champion. So most of those were that baloney reason. Then I started looking into this for like, I wonder if there's an article here for you know The Athletic or somebody. So I started looking into it and the rest were all bull crap too. Like sometimes the guy told me, oh yeah, he wasn't really in the state, but he shot well in Philadelphia. And so we gave him the title here because it's his course. <laughs> and so having played with them. The 2.8 handicap is phonier than Velveeta. And then this business about his golf course ownership. Oh, like here in LA, Trump, Los Angeles, Trump National Los Angeles, it's best course in the in the state, he says. Like the state has Pebble Beach, Cypress Point, Pasatiempo, Tiempo, uh, you know, California Club. Who are you? Tory Pines. Who are you kidding? He's like, that's all, they're all toy boxes compared to my. It's so bad if you wear if you wear a Pebble Beach shirt to his course down here, the the uh, pro makes you buy a Trump shirt. Wow! I mean, he's just living in some kind of fantasy land. He thinks his courses are better than Bandon Dunes. The best course he's got in America is Bedminster, which I think right now is 148th. Now he does have Turnberry, and he did make Turnberry better, but in the U.S. he's got nothing. Nothing compared to Mike Kaiser nothing compared to Mike Meldman and discovery. I mean, he, 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 just, it's all him blowing up, blowing up his own horn, you know,
0: Rick, you mentioned your, uh, your back page articles for sports illustrated, which I mean, speak for myself, but probably also Sean or some of the things that got us into this entire world of sports writing to begin with, um, Thank you. is, is this book, you know, an, an homage to that length and that sort of column writing? Or, or do you know, do you miss doing that? How is the yes. relationship of these 800 word yes. pieces, you know, from from SI to now?
3: I missed writing that 800 word profile, which is really hard. Because the thing when I wrote those SI columns, I wanted it to be like a little movie. Act one, we I find a guy we like. Act two, get that guy up a tree, throw rocks at him act three, get him out of the tree, right? They were, they were always, I tried them to make little, little dramas, unless I was being funny or mad or crazy. But, but so that's what these, so I missed writing that 800 word format. And so the original idea was, well, maybe I'll write a hundred new columns about sports. But then I realized what I really am drawn to is these little stories about how golf is woven, weaves itself into the fabric of people's lives, more than any other sport. it's like, it becomes his family. Like for instance, there's a guy, my brother plays Munis and he plays with this group called the Goons, right? So there's this guy, Saul Goldberg. He's a former pro, you know, teaching pro, never particularly good teaching pro. He always had a little tie and he smoked a pipe. Uh, They called him Saul or something, they called him Professor Gorky. And he wasn't bad at golf. He might make five, 10 bucks playing golf. And then he'd lose a hundred playing dice, you know, cause we always play dice afterwards. So he'd lose a hundred and he's broke. And now, and then he's starting to get old. He can't even teach anymore. And so at a meeting of the goons, they always drink and Saul wasn't there and they said, look, Saul, man, he doesn't even have a TV to watch the Broncos games." And so he decided, well, let's all pitch in and buy Saul a TV. But then one guy said, you know, he's a guy though. And that would be way worse and way more embarrassing than not having a TV. Guys helping other, because no one wants to feel like the Red Cross is helping them. They'd rather, you know, starve than have you give them a free meal, right? So they said, okay, forget it. Six months later, the goons decide to have a raffle for a big screen TV. Everybody buys a raffle ticket for 10 bucks. And sure enough, the winner is Saul Goldberg, right? And Saul's like, yeah, you bitches. I won, right? And they take it and they pack up the TV and they try to cram it in his old Buick and he ties it, you know, finally ends up tying it to the roof and he drives off and says, see you, suckers. And uh, nobody told Saul that his name was written on every ticket. You know, and that's just, I think golfers really do feel that sort of family connection. It's, I think I spend more time (laughs) with my golfing buddies than my wife. I hate to admit that, but when between golf trips and stuff, you spend a lot of time with your golf pals. Do you feel like the internet has killed
0: the 800 word column to some extent, Rick?
3: <laughs> well, that's what I tell Simmons. Like, you know, you're terrific, but you could use a carload of editors. And he's like, I know, but I like to write stream of consciousness and my, and I said, but you wrote 9,000 words on Kevin Garnett. This was back when we were both at ESPN. Yeah. Who wants to read 9,000 words on Kevin Garnett? It's, it's, it's freaking April. And he's like, my readers know they have to skim me. I'm like, I'm not sure that's a badge of honor. that People have to skim you. But he grew up in a different time, right? I grew up in newspapers. We only had so much space to fill. He grew up in the internet where just blah, 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 blah. And you don't have to edit And so I could never write like that. And I don't think he would ever or would want to. He probably could since he's so good. But I don't think he'd want to confine himself to 800. So I think you're right. It has probably killed the column.
0: I remember Simmons talking about how he didn't have enough room in ESPN the magazine for exactly that reason. I think there was a short period where he did have a column in there.
3: He's just so clever. I mean, he's just on it. Like he's on all the techie stuff like. He was the first. He said, you got to get on Twitter. I'm like, I don't even know what it is. And I and by the time I got on it, 10 years later, he must have had what? Three million followers. And so then he writes a book. And the first week it it debuts at number one. I'm like, how'd you do that? And he's like, Twitter. Like, damn it. Why didn't you make me get on Twitter? So he's very smart. Rick, I've got a question uh, that
2: I hope you can answer. I'm not sure you would be able to, but you've spent plenty of time in Italy, right? I think you uh I think you do you own a home over there? No, no. We always we try to go for two months a year. Okay. And we just, you know, bounce around. Now, the next Ryder Cup is in Rome.
3: <laughs> oh man. Uh,
2: will that be weird, different? What is the golf scene that you felt over there? Like, how is that Ryder Cup gonna go?
3: Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so Let me just tell you, Italy does food beautifully. Wine, style, panache, you know, the the way it all looks is just like the guys open their store every morning and they spend a half hour getting all their wares just so, right? But then you go in there, like, do you take credit card? Uh no, 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 so what is it? Like they don't they they do internet army uh uh policing themselves. Terrible. So there's this little part three in Florence that I go play and it's horrible. And I'm always the only guy on it. And I remember the first time I played it like, this sucks. And yet when I got back after nine holes, there was all these Maseratis in the parking lot and guys wearing Canali suits and smoking those little cool cigar cigarettes. And I'm like, what are we all waiting on, for? you know, in Italian? And like, ah, oh, aspettiamo, aspettiamo. we wait. That means, you know, something good's coming. Non vedo l'ora, you know, I can't wait. This, these two women come out from their house behind the club with steaming plates of veal and this beautiful gnocchi pasta and a lovely salad and the homemade tiramisu and a nice wine. It was all like 10 euros and all these rich guys just sat around and ate and they sat there, and of course, drank wine for two more hours. No interest in the golf. <laughs> and I'm afraid that's how it's going to be. Not, they don't much care about golf. When um, when um, the what, what's his name uh, the guy the Italian that won the Open Molinari Molinari <laughs> when he won uh, it didn't he make the front page of sports it was <laughs> tucked in behind the motorcycles
0: Oh no it sounds like the clubhouse uh, spread is going to be fantastic though
3: Ah oh. yes Are you going Oh Are you yeah going uh,
0: We're hoping to go Yeah yeah we're we're planning on being there Any advice There's no city like
3: Rome. Oh my God. (laughs) Text me. I'll give you a hundred restaurants in Rome. Awesome. You got to do it. My last question for you, Rick,
2: do the golf gods exist? And if so, do you have a story to prove
3: it? (sighs) Wow. Yes. Yes. Of course the golf gods exist. Uh, I mean although Patrick Reed is still playing <laughs> um there's a so there's a new top golf um right near my house in El Segundo and uh there's all these funny signs that they, they, oh so it's top golf but it's the only top golf with its own golf course by yes. the way yeah the yeah book, we we're reading about this place in the book you'll find out that I invented top golf and got screwed out of it and I have proof it's, it was in my novel in 1997, exactly what Topgolf became. And a guy who was working for what was then a British company said, they're taking your, your idea straight out of your book, Missing Links. They're making it. And I'm like, what the hell? So they've already opened two over here in England. So I called a patent lawyer, lost, never got a dive. But anyway, it's fantastic. And so this little golf course has all these signs. And one of the signs on the green is the golf gods want you to fix your ball, Mark. <laughs> so if you, if you look for a guy's golf ball out of bounds, golf gods will get you. If you're a higher handicap guy giving a lower handicap guy advice, golf gods will get you. If you bitch on a putt and it goes in, you owe me five bucks, golf gods will get you.
0: Rick, over the years, who's the player that has liked you the most on tour? And who is the player that has liked you the least?
3: Well, Tiger hates me the most. And this guy came up to me the other day and he said, 2011 masters. I'm an amateur going to play in my first masters. Uh, He he went to Stanford anyway. So Tiger's going to, he says, let's have lunch and I'll show you the course because he likes Stanford guys, which is pretty nice for Tiger to reach out to anybody. So, um, they go up to the champions locker room. If you've ever been up there, it's really small. There's barely enough room for maybe three tables for three lunch tables. And this kid can't believe it. He's having lunch with Tiger Woods. And he goes, and then you came on the TV set. Like, me? He goes, yeah, you did some feature on ESPN. And it was like a minute and a half. And you said he has no chance to win, the sex scandal this, and his back that. And he shouldn't even. He probably shouldn't even be here. And he's, I wouldn't bet on him, you know, with a month of dollar bills, something like that. He put, <laughs> he's halfway through lunch, puts down his knife and fork, leaves the locker room, doesn't come back. So he went right, and he said, he went straight to the range. He went, so I know he hates me and wants to prove me wrong when I criticize him. Oh my uh, God. Player that Does likes me- Does that ever bother back? you? The tiger hates you? Hell no. No, because you got to treat people well. I'm sorry there's more to being a professional golfer than getting it in the hole first, you know, but I know people love tiger. 99% of people love tiger root for tiger. I root for history too. So I'd like to see him win more. I'd like to see him win at St. Andrews where I think he has a chance, but, but I still, I mean, I love the game. I just don't love the man. Um, I guess Tom Lehman likes me the best. <laughs> I guess he thinks I'm funny. Um, uh, that's probably about it.
0: I was gonna say, I was wondering if you wrote a big Tom Lehman puff piece or something that uh, well, what made oh. you, him love you so much, but.
3: I should have, he, uh, he let me caddy for him in that book, Who's Your Caddy? Yes. And uh, I was having a hard time. We were at the Disney, uh, remember Disney, they still, they still have the Disney stop, it's in Orlando. Not anymore. Anyway, so he's close to the lead and I'm really kind of nervous and I'm trying to get the right distances. And I'm trying to write down the funny things or interesting things that happen. And so I'm kind of bad. So I get twice, I got to the mark, paste it off backwards to, uh, you know, the yardage marker, paste it off to where his ball was. And instead of adding, Mm. I subtract it. And he's, have you ever done that? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Definitely. So he's like, you gotta, you gotta add Rick. You don't subtract. (laughs) And I'm like, sorry, I'm so sorry. And (laughs) So he says, did you pass fifth grade math? I said, I promise I'll do better. And uh, next hole I was out like a shot after he hit it, got the yardage. It was 2.07 and I walked backwards, 11 yards. I said, 2.07 Tom, plus 11, 2.18. I know that's true. And he goes, that is true, but that's Bernhard Langer's ball. <laughs> so that's why I suck as a caddy. Caddy's <laughs> oh, tough. So good. It is tough. It's hard. I remember I was caddying for Nicholas once on his golf course he'd built. And so I'm I'm getting the hang of it. It's like the 17th hole. I said, now, Jack, this is a part three. It's a, it's a three-tiered green, but you want to be on that back tier because otherwise you have a possible three-putt. And he goes, yeah, I built the hole. <laughs> I, I know.
0: Rick, where can people buy your book? Where would you prefer uh, they buy your book?
3: Well, of course, it's on Amazon like everything else in the world. But I signed three thousand books for Barnes and Noble, and uh, they go on sale today. Uh, I put it on. Uh, I'm about. To, I guess I'm about to put it on Twitter, um, and you know, it's a signed book, same price. Now, there might be some chili stains in a couple because I was watching the playoffs <laughs> and maybe lost track of what I was doing. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's Amazon.com's easiest. Barnes and Noble's easy too. And they're signed, you know, until they run out of the 3000.
0: That's a lot of books to sign. That's Phil Mickelson-esque.
3: Yeah. It gets old signing your name. That took me about a week. It'll also be on audible. That took about four days. And you really get sick of yourself because they make you go over every sentence like two or three times. And there'll be, and it will be a guy in New York going, you know, we kind of heard your stomach gurgling there. Did you have Mexican for breakfast? Like, yeah, how'd you know that? We can hear you. So, I mean, it, these mics are that powerful. And so they hear every bit of saliva and stuff. So it is a pain in the mouth, as we say. But it's fun. It's fun, I, it's, it's fun to, to have it on Audible because I'm a big Audible guy.
2: Well, it's called So Help Me Golf. He's Rick Riley. Thanks for hanging with us, Rick. Thanks, guys. Take See it ya. easy. Folks, the game is PGA Tour Stock Exchange, and if you're a Drop Zone listener, if you are a Zony, you would be pleased to know that the co-host that I host this show with, Dylan DeChair, is leading PGA Tour Stock Exchange, this fun fantasy game we've been doing all year long. Dylan uh, is out in a commanding lead at this point. James Colgan, our resident Gen Zer, is in second place. I am in third place, and everyone's like
0: favorite. to state for the record that my picks are locked in.
2: Dylan, uh, the wealthiest owner in this league, his picks are locked in despite you know reports from last time that he just kind of copied everyone else's picks. But <laughs> Q2 is over. We're all, uh, at least half of us are fat and wealthy. Um, Luke, we're going to kick it off to you again. Where are you taking the value you have earned this point or really the value that you've lost to this point? You have $87. You started out with 100
4: yeah, so uh, remarkably effective of losing money if that's what you're if that's what you're trying to do if you're trying to decrease your uh, your nest egg your retirement nest egg take it to LKD LLC. Um, yeah, it's, you know the sad thing is, Sean, is I feel like I did a lot of research. Q1 blew up in my face. I was really happy with my adjustments. Q2 um, blew up in my face. So you know what? We're gonna. Uh, I'm really banking. I guess what I'm trying to say with eggs in two different baskets the first is it's only a loss if you sell the second is that uh, i may have been early but i'm not wrong on some of these investments so with that in mind i'm basically just making one small adjustment and praying to god that some of my remaining holdings are gonna basically win a major because it's a two major quarter here and that's really all we got left so i'm exiting my brooks kepka position um wow uh, so tough. i'm gonna take the I'm going to take the uh, 7-ish percent loss on there, sell my three shares. And basically, I'm going to take the remaining funds and I'm going to just take a swing on somebody who will likely play a lot of tour events, play in the majors. And then that swing is going to be Cameron Champ. It's going for 1.5264 is his world ranking. So that gives me enough for nine shares of him uh, and change, given the adjustments you have to make to make the numbers work. But that will bring me up to about $87. And uh, let's hope that Kamsham tears apart the country club. Maybe maybe sneaks another win in. You know, I think uh, there's a lot to like in his game. And I think that... It, Do you know if he's in the field? Oh, you know, we're gonna. he may have to play his way in, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> he's going to play in a lot of tour events in the meantime. And uh, he's a kind of a proven winner on tour with a lot to like in his game. You know, but really, the way this is going to turn around for me, if it does turn around, is... Uh, DJ and Tony for now at the top of the ticket. Are gonna just need to they just need to play better, right? I I I stake my bet in two guys who just simply aren't playing well. There are signs of life from both of them, but with two majors this quarter, they need to they need to show something in it in order for me to get back into the into the black.
2: Wait, so you 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 gave up your kepka stock, you invested all of it basically in Cameron Champ. You're holding on to DJ Finao, you're holding on to Keith
4: Mitchell. Yeah, I was at 9.95 shares of Keith Mitchell. Probably going to have to bring that down to nine in order to make the math work, like your adjustments. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Keith Mitchell was basically flat this quarter and he was up the quarter before that. I kind of like the way his game looks, trends. I kind of feel like there's a few of these courses, like the Travelers, he may be a great pick for a course like that. You know, he hits the driver really well. Um, So I don't want to, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to take the the profit on Keith Mitchell yet because I actually think he could rise a little further.
2: Boy, how, how do we feel about like Webb Simpson stock that which went down 26 percent in Q2 <laughs>
4: yeah so I mean like in retrospect Molinari was the Jane one of James's pick was like a really clever investment It was kind of the role I was hoping Webb Simpson would play to me coming off an injury really consistent before his injury thought he was going to play quite well um obviously didn't happen but I'm just I can't take a 25% loss on my balance sheet right now because then I'm going to have to make something up in that in that place. So it's better off to just just try to let it ride and, and see if it gets a little higher. That's my thinking behind keeping it wet.
2: All right, I'm just going to try to make sure I can uh, track this appropriately. Right now you've got nine, you, you're, you're talking about selling off essentially a full share of Keith, Keith Mitchell?
4: Yeah, I was at like 995 Bring it, bring that down to nine, and then that should give me enough for nine shares of CamChamp. Hey, hey,
2: we trust LKD LLC to really crunch the numbers. You got great <laughs> CPAs over there. I know, I know you guys do everything by the book. I will take the reins from you, Luke. Uh, slightly disappointed that you're really only moving one holding around, only because I know you're one of the most creative bookies out there. Um, also, I am. I would
0: like to just interject <laughs> and say, like. Wow. Because, you know, in almost any organization, when you see the type of underperformance and, yeah, I mean, dare I say <laughs> failure seat. that you would see that you're seeing right now at LKD LLC, heads are going to roll and you kind of have to wonder about the leadership in charge of that place.
4: You know, like, like I said, Dylan, that the I, I may have been early, but I wasn't wrong on some of these. I think DJ is going to come good. I could see him winning another major. It wasn't that far removed that he won his last major. Tony for now has been underperforming, it's true. But I think that he has been showing signs of life recently, one last year. You know, it was a slight adjustment after that win, but I think there is enough there to not completely write off these two things. And at the end of the day, if the shareholders want to quibble with my leadership, we can, we can address that at the end of the year.
0: Yeah. But Look, Luke. Yeah. You don't have to explain it to me. It's really just, it's the board. It's the shareholders. I mean,
4: I, I think I'm. I am not
0: investing. Think, I'm taking my money elsewhere, so it's not really an issue <laughs> for me personally.
4: I would just like to say I think I'm doing my fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders in not taking the loss on some of these holdings. I'm going to let them play out because I think the value's there.
2: By diving into Cameron Champ, you are doing your fiduciary best for your shareholders. Look, we can't argue with it until we can after maybe Q3. Uh, Sean, what Cameron do you got? Champ- Cameron Champ is in the field of the PGA, which is is great to see for you and LKD LLC. uh, We're moving some things around. Um, Brooks Kepka, the cover star of the upcoming issue of Golf Magazine, he will not be involved with Zock Investments anymore. We're selling all of the Kepka stock for which we owned $24 worth. We're selling all of the Louis Oosthuizen stock. Sounds like he's going over to playing live golf investments opportunities that he finds, and uh, we don't want to be a part of that. So Louie and Brooks, they have been cut. We're also selling off 14 shares of Gary Woodland. Gary has been net positive for us thus far this year, but not in Q2. Every one of my holdings was a net negative in Q2, so I was the big loser there. And uh, we're doubling down. Uh, with <laughs> we're buying one more stock in a quarter of Steven Yeager I cannot give up on my guy as I've said many many times he is the uh he was the heir you know apparent to take over the PJ tour maybe not take over but to be the best graduate from the Corn Ferry tour and he has only recently started to show form so he's kind of back to where I thought he uh he thought he'd be, and we need him to take off a little bit more. But I'm taking all the funds from a little bit of Woodland, a little bit of Kepka, a lot of Louis Oosthuizen, and I'm diving into two blue chip stocks. Buying up six shares of Dustin Johnson. We're buying the dip. Wow. I know Luke Luke has been talking about how much promise Dustin Johnson holds. We're buying up six shares of DJ to kind of just keep Luke Keep Luke down. Like if, if DJ succeeds, we both succeed. I won't be in last place. This is a bit of like a pinching pennies thing and, and trying to stay ahead of Luke. Um, and then six shares of Jordan Spieth. Guy's going for the career grand slam. He's playing this week in Texas. This is a, an event he's played really well at, the Byron Nelson in the past. I'm finding some very immediate, as this as the real stock exchange goes down in recent weeks, PJ Tour Stock Exchange is going to go up, and we're going to get some immediate gains from Jordan Spieth, six of each of those guys. So we now have basically $15 worth of Woodland, $13 of Steven Yeager, $31 of Spieth, and $30 of Dustin <laughs> Johnson. And I want nobody else, no one else. We're, we've gone the minimum of four stocks you have to hold wow. and a number of blue chip stocks. If either of those guys win, either of the next two majors in Q3 is going to be a good quarter for me.
0: Certainly a lot of exposure for
1: you out there, Sean. Can I, uh, can I interject here?
2: You may. You may speak is for that, the first
1: time today. Is that Spieth as in Jordan Spieth? Yes. Is there another Spieth you know of, James? <laughs> Just trying to understand why someone would want to buy a player who's won twice in the last four years at their highest ranking in that same period of time. Not exactly sure. I mean, People I guess. I guess that's on, so. why. I guess that's how we're understanding how. Uh, you know, we've got a couple, couple companies bracing in there's the red and much a couple surviving in the black. You know, there's too that's, much potential
2: uh, in this market to ignore Jordan Spieth and the best players on the board.
1: There you go. Well, I hope it works out for you because it, it was certainly a gamble. <laughs> that much is uh, is inarguable.
4: Wow, there's a there's, All right. there's a new tone of of arrogance among the <laughs> among the elite here on this podcast as the dividing lines have been drawn. You know, as my fellow everyman, Sean, I wish you the best of luck. Good luck to DJ. Let's hope he <laughs> let's hope he wins a couple majors and gets us back to break even territory.
2: I wouldn't call Luke an everyman, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the compliment. James, you are up next. You have $116 to play with. As a reminder, we all started with $100. Dylan has $119, bordering on $120. You have $116. James, you've made the best investment of anybody thus far in this entire game. When you invested five shares of Scotty Scheffler way back in the day, before the season began, uh, or at least before the calendar year began, James, you have the player of the year on your team. What are you doing with those 5 Sheffler shares?
1: Um, I'm actually going to be selling those 5 oh, Sheffler shares. Man. I am we rode that uh rode that rocket ship into the sun and uh, you know, <laughs> I'm feeling great about where we are. I love, you know, I'll, I'll be forever grateful to Scotty for this magical run we've endured on together. Um, but I think this is a situation in which you know, I realize the ceiling might be a little bit higher, but I don't know if it's significantly higher than it's already been for Scotty this year. The ceiling I think is I'm the
0: roof. Sp- the ceiling could be the roof here, James. Well, wow.
1: yeah, that's true. That's true. But, it, you know, how likely is it, are we talking, that he's going to win both of the next two majors, you know, and in, in the span of Q3 here? I think it's, it's very unlikely that that's going you to know, happen. You know, I think you're right about and that. When I look at, you know, when I look at how he's played this year, it's it's not a knock against him if anything, it's a sign of how successful he's been that I, you know, I feel I have to sell him now because yeah, I want to sell gonna, him at his you, highest point.
2: Yeah, we get it. You're selling him. Can you tell us what you're doing with the money?
1: Yes. <laughs> So well, I want to justify that because he's been the bellwether of my uh, of my portfolio since I since I started here. So that that was an important move for me. Okay. So that's going to net me about 50 dollars $50 in our game. Yeah. Forty eight um, seventy
2: five. But
1: I'm also in um, what is really the headline of my of my acquisitions in this period. I'm also going to be selling my my shares in Richard Blend. Uh, oh, um, yeah, you, you know, James. I yeah. You know, again, talk about another rocket ship into the sun, really, albeit a slightly smaller one. Um, you know, slightly we smaller. we took that one, took that one all the way up into he's in just outside of the top 50 in the world right now. After the ridicule that I received from my fellow investors here. I'm very proud of what I've done with with uh with Dick Bland's stock. Um, but you know, I'm looking at his game right now. I haven't seen a ton of positive signs and, uh, there's definitely, there's definitely some live golf action looming on the horizon for what that could mean for his, uh, for his share value. I just, I don't think it's worth it. So I'll be selling out of him. And again, this is a huge transition time for my portfolio because those, those were really the pillars upon the rest of my portfolio was built. Um, so with that money, with that $60, I'll be, or thereabouts, I'll be buying uh, roughly $40 worth of John Rom stock.
2: Oh wow. Um, $40 and this is a this guy buys up Apple.
1: Yeah. This is, that's exactly right. But you know what? There are two quarterly earnings coming up in our next quarter for this Apple stock and two major opportunities to see a stock jump. John's playing really well. I think his, even though his value bumped a little bit in the last few weeks after the win in Mexico, I still think there's a ton of value there, uh, especially considering the fact we've got two majors during this stretch. I think it's just a no brainer. so I'll roll with ROM for for forty bucks, and then for the remaining twenty bucks, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to be buying.
2: Hold on, hold on, hold on. You need to give us a, a round number. So you're buying a,
1: sh- a share amount. Hold yeah. on, you're buying I, five. You're shares requiring me round to round? do. You're requiring me to do a little bit of mental math here that I'm not a. Uh, it's either four not,
2: shares or five shares. That'll split the forty dollars. Which one do you
1: want? Uh, we'll do four shares for that. No, um, not not trying to make you play by the rules. And then the remaining. The remaining uh mm. what would be thirty some odd dollars?
2: Yeah, probably
1: like twenty six bucks. Okay. We're going to uh we're gonna invest all of that in Davis Riley. Oh my god. And the reason why we're doing this, he's been on a meteoric rise this year. He earned an exemption into the PGA championship, and he's also very likely to be in the field at the US Open. So in his current standing, he's somewhere in the 170s in the world right now, I believe. In his current standing, there's nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to go but up. And he's going to be playing in both of those huge point events. There's no way that he's not able to make up some ground there. So I, I think that's just in, like an easy, easy play to generate some value. Um, so yeah, it's it's deviating a little bit from my strategy. Definitely uh, the characters are not quite as, uh, as entertaining, but... You know, sometimes you got to buy the stocks that are boring, but you know are going to turn a pretty significant profit for you. So that's what we're hoping to do this quarter. All right. So
2: you'll be getting like 23.4 shares of Davis Riley. Do you feel good about that?
1: I feel terrific about that, actually. I I wish I could buy more, but I don't have money because I've just been succeeding so hard in this. Yeah. In this.
2: <laughs> that's why you don't have money. <laughs> Luke is right. (laughs)
1: The tone has definitely changed here.
4: It's also interesting that uh, James is shunning the idea of diversifying his portfolio as he's ahead. He's just placing two big bets. One cheap, admittedly, (laughs) but we'll see how John Rahm does.
2: Ready for the chair group's reportings here? Yeah, put us out of our misery and choose exactly who we've already chosen.
0: I'm not sure any of my guys have been chosen. Well, I guess. All right. So let's start with the stability. My portfolio, because we need a little bit of a, you know, we need a mix of of what's working and what's going to work. So we're hanging on to our five shares of Will Zalatoris. Those did not, uh, those, I guess, yeah, actually returned a nice little profit. Come on, I think with you know the PGA and the U.S. Open both coming up, he's likely to be a factor in at least one of those. Uh, I can't quit Patrick Rogers. So I was holding twenty three shares of of Rogers stock. Just really held steady this quarter. But I think this is a good one for Patrick Rogers. He's going to clean up on some random PGA Tour events. Um, And then we're selling off just a little bit of uh, Sahith stock. Going to go down to 15 shares. Okay. And (laughs) now is where it gets interesting.
2: So you've sold off five shares of of Tagala, which is going to basically bring you back mm, $7.50 of value. It does feel wrong,
0: but you know, you guys have already sort of preceded yeah. this here to to ditch Brooks Kepka during U.S. Open and PGA Championship season, but I'm doing it. I'm getting rid of Brooks Koepka, mm-hmm. uh, and instead I'm replacing him with Xander Shoffley. Folks, I'm going back to the Xander well again. This should come Gross. as a surprise to nobody. I think Southern Hills sets up great, and I once again enter a major championship feeling optimistic about his chances. So I'm gonna scoop up four shares of Xander Shoffley, who's going off at just under five bucks a share. Okay.
1: This is uh after after this quarter ends and Dylan loses money on Xander, we're gonna meet for Q four and he's gonna be like that Tim Robinson meme in the uh in the <laughs> hot dog costume. We're all looking for the guy who did this.
2: <laughs> yeah. What happened to my portfolio?
1: Um, it's with it's with
0: you know, great regret that I'm gonna sell my stock in both Taylor Pendrith and oh friend of the show Martin Trainer. Martin Trainer has just flown a little bit too close to the sun for my liking. He's, tell him what uh, know,
2: tell him what Martin Trainer did during Q two.
0: Oh, I don't know. He only returned a forty eight percent, whatever forty eight point six percent return. He went from twenty five cents a share to thirty eight cents a share.
2: And that's why, you, that's why you hound penny stocks, James. You've been asking us every time, why are you guys buying up these long bets?
0: Martin? China I'm going to replace why. those two gents with the last two in my portfolio. First with 25 shares of Austin Smotherman, who's kind of been on the outside <laughs> looking in of the uh, you know, PGA Tour rookies. Uh, really hasn't gotten a lot of attention, and that's the entire point. <laughs> Everyone's been focused on the shiny object. Your Davis Rileys of the world, um, I'm gonna leave those and stick with Smotherman, who's got some work to do to, you know, get into like FedEx Cup contention, etc. So 25 shares there, uh, which should be about 14 bucks. And then my final purchase, this is gonna be just over 250 shares if my math is correct. Oh,
2: gotta be kidding me.
0: Goes to one Tiger Woods. <laughs> One made cut at the PGA Championship, and this investment has a decent chance of uh, coming back positive. He's going off at 12.65 cents per share. Give me 250 something shares of Tiger Woods, which accounts for about, you know, almost 30% of my portfolio here. All right, let me just do the math. James and Luke, you can discuss. I don't want anyone to say that the chair group is, is resting on its laurels in the top spot <laughs> in the market here.
4: These are borderline nepotism picks, I think, uh, between Xander Shoffley, such a friend of the pod, as established multiple times, and then uh, Dylan's longtime fandom of Tiger Woods. You know, I think uh, I think the uh, governing body here is going to have to look into some of this. Uh, That's a
2: insight. $31 ownership in Tiger.
0: I would say on the contrary, selling off Martin Trainer was probably a pretty smart move, you know, with the... Uh, the SEC sniffing around—that's
2: <laughs> a gigantic you know, stake in Tiger Woods. <laughs> That's
1: all I've I'm, got to say. I'm, James is I'm speechless. Frankly, I'm str- yeah I'm struggling to come up with words to describe this. I mean, truly, it's a—it's uh, a—it's a jump off of the off of the high dive. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> and you know, I think you're hoping that you're going to land on a trampoline and shoot back up a little higher, but
2: you know. I think Dylan is the most connected uh, Tiger Woods reporter, maybe, at golf.com. I'm, I'm wondering if there's some inside information. Like, is Tiger going to play more than two events this quarter? Is he going to play the Memorial? Dylan, you got any information you want to share? I know nothing more than the general public
0: does here, Sean, and I would like the SEC and uh, <laughs> you know any other affiliated organizations, the IRS potentially down the road, to if they're, if they're listening. I'm sure they are. It's entirely
2: possible he plays one event. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very possible. It, we, you know are, what's gonna happen, we are pushing Dylan? our chips into the Southern Hills basket here.
2: Yeah. If he misses the cut at Southern Hills, which I think Vegas would probably put as even odds bet, uh, maybe even, maybe even worse, you're not going to have a positive return from Tiger for probably 13, whatever, how many weeks Q2 is going to last? 10 weeks. It's just going to go down. You know that's how the ranking works.
0: Yeah, but you know when you're only at twelve cents, how far it's down not, can you really go?
2: It well, you can go down a lot because you've <laughs> I got two hundred and fifty shares. Out. <laughs> that is your biggest holding by by a, a factor of almost twelve dollars. You've invested twelve of your hard-earned PGA Tour stock exchange dollars. thirty-one, excuse me of your of your hard-earned dollars into tiger woods 12 more than anyone else how confident do you feel
0: i feel confident and i think friday afternoon at southern hills we're really going to see how this is uh how this is progressing (laughs)
2: luke i just want to say from uh the person who's in third place speaking to the person who's in fourth place both of us in a huge deficit i could not be happier with the two lead dogs and what they've done with their portfolios right now. They have put <laughs> themselves at risk. Let's put it that way. It's
1: way more fun this way.
4: I, I, was, I was about to say that if there is a way for, these, uh, for, for the elite of this call to lose their standing, this is probably it. Making big bets on like blue chip high priced players you know I, I i think our dustin johnson bet will come good you know we may need to start talking acquisitions if, if it doesn't sean we're you know merging our two companies but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it in the meantime let's hope tiger woods makes the cut southern hills
2: after this call i'm gonna just dive into the numbers and see what Tiger Woods stock has done so far this year what q1 and q2 return for tiger and just post that in our group chat
0: Guys, all I would say is that what's not necessarily cool is $119. What's cool is a billion dollars <laughs> and Tiger Woods winning the PGA Championship would get us meaningfully closer to that amount.
1: You know, I feel like uh I feel like and Dylan maybe you can relate to this. I you know, I've been following the news pretty closely. I was wondering, you know, how does it feel like to be Elon Musk buying buying Twitter? And you know what? i know now i know now
2: (laughs) lovely well gentlemen thank you all for uh continuing this very foolish but fun game and best uh best to everyone in the market in q3